Sends Hour, hosted by Shane and Derek, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. brand new episode of the Sends Hour podcast, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. We are obviously still sponsored by Customized Sports. We still have the contest going. I know it's a little bit down there, but definitely head on over to our Twitter to, to enter on that. We have an interesting uh, couple, interesting hour in a bit with a lot going on. Um, I hope you're all excited. We got two weeks until Christmas, which means two weeks until the World Juniors, and all the rosters were announced today. So it was quite um, quite an interesting amount of roster announcements and some surprises, especially Team USA. As most of Sense fans know, we are we have four prospects, Stetzel on Germany, Sanderson and Clevin on USA, and then our boy Arventi going on Finland. Um, Derek, what was your reaction when you saw, you know, some of, obviously, you know, not just outside the Sense prospects, but Overall, what's your assumption on how these rosters have turned out so far? Yeah, it looks like it's going to be a highly competitive tournament. Um, I'm excited, you know, mostly excited for our guys. So, um, you know, I was super stoked that Robbie Arventi, our boy here on the show, we talk about him so much, but Robbie Arventi makes Team Finland on the final cut. Um, Stoked to see him and then super surprised, but pleasantly surprised that Tyler Clevin gets the uh, nod for Team USA. Now, I guess we still have to wait to see whether he'll get playing time or not, but uh, but he makes the final cut, which is huge. Um, and then Sanderson, obviously, he was going to be on the team, and Stitzla will be easily the best player on his team. So uh, super excited for the Sens roster, uh, for the Sens prospects to be on the rosters, um, but equally excited just for some, or for some uh, World Junior hockey around Christmas time. Yeah, I'm honestly, I was looking at all the rosters. I think Canada, they're, all their forwards are first-round picks. They're just loaded up 2019, 2020 picks. I think there's 20 first overall picks in total between the the forwards, the defense, and the uh, goaltending. I think the only, like, six, the, the six or five defensemen and one goaltender are first-round picks, if I remember correctly. Um Still ridiculous amount. I think everyone's expecting a Canada-Russia final. At least that's kind of what it's sounding like on uh, on social medias. And one thing we need to bring up, you know, Daniel Alfredson's birthday was the other day. And there were stories that, or reports that he, him and his brother, who both live in Ottawa, would have been coaching Team Sweden. And they were actually preparing for it until they got the call saying that they would not be, they're not qualified due to the COVID restrictions to enter the bubble. We need to remember that Daniel Alfredson never played for Team Sweden at the Worlds, and then he won the Calder. So I think Sens fans need to kind of temper their expectations of what to expect this at this World Juniors. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Alfie was obviously, you know, the best player to ever play for the franchise. So um, it was a little bit disappointing that he didn't get uh, the permission uh, granted to, to coach the team. That would have been fantastic just to see him behind a bench um, on TV. That would have been just magical for uh, for Sens fans. But yeah, we we have enough uh, gifts. We have four prospects playing at this tournament, um, and two of them should get prominent roles on their team. Uh, and then perhaps Yarventi works his way up uh, as well. I won't be surprised if he works his way up the Finland roster um, and finds himself in a top six role. Uh, but uh, the, the tournament itself is going to be exciting. It's the first taste of hockey, uh, unless you're following the UND stuff uh, that we've had from a Senator's perspective for quite some time. Yeah, I mean, the UND stuff isn't even looking that great right now. Uh, they've dropped their technically third in a row uh, since Sanderson and Clevin have ventured off to the World Juniors. So, I mean... Say what you want. It could just be, you know, uh, a coincidence. But you know, maybe maybe they do make a difference. 
Yeah, I was wondering the same thing. I kind of put a tweet out to you earlier. I was watching the UND game and they were struggling a little bit tonight. And uh, I thought, you know, it's a noticeable absence without Clevin and without, uh, you know, Clevin with his physicality um, and Sanderson with his stellar defensive play, as well as the offensive uh, capabilities that he has. Um, you could you could tell that they're missing those two players. Um, now, whether that's enough to kind of tip the scales in their favor, I'm not too sure. There was there was a few errors that they made um, in the previous games. I think they outshot their opponents and just kind of ended up with some bad luck at the end of the at the end of the game. Uh, this game, they I think were outplayed. Um, you know, it, it was still a close game, but I think they were outplayed a little bit. Um, Pinto still stood out to me, though. You know, if you're watching Pinto, he doesn't make any mistakes. Uh, he's insanely strong. Uh, some Someone I was talking to earlier this week compared him to Joe Pavelski. What do you think about that comparable? I'm okay with that. I mean, considering they're both technically late bloomers and whatnot, I think that's a fair comparison. Yeah, and uh, shout out to Brennan on uh, New Era Sense. Uh, him and I are working on a collaborative piece on the Sens prospects right now, on the top 15 prospects. And uh, he he's the one that used that as a comparable. And I thought, you know what? Not a bad comparable now that I'm watching him play a little bit more. Um, that would be, you know, extremely nice if Pinto developed to be anywhere close to Joe Pavelski. 100%. And I think, you know, even after you said it, I can kind of, I can see that too, you know, outside of them both being American, but like, you know that that's definitely a possibility and i definitely see it being you know one of those things that his ceiling you know i um i think shackles mentioned it like he started playing pro hockey like five years ago or competitive hockey five years ago yeah that's insane (laughs) his ceiling is so unknown like it's one of those things where you watch him play and you watch him develop and you feel like his ceiling is getting higher and higher and higher so who knows what Pinto can really be? Can Pinto really be like, there's no questions of, you know, can Pinto be the number one guy in Ottawa? I, I've seen people on Twitter talking about like, you know, as much as they love Norris and Stutzel at center, like could Pinto really become a true first line center? And if you're comparing him to a guy like Pavelski, he was really, I mean, if you, if you oh, look yeah. at it, it was really him and Couture were one, two. And if we can get that out of like a Pinto, uh, Norris, Stutzel, any of the two or those three being a one-two, or even Logan Brown in there. Yeah, I maybe maybe Colin White still. We still don't know. If, yeah, but uh, yeah, Pinto. The more I watch him, the more I like him. Exactly what you said. The more you watch, it, it it just seems that he gets better every game. Like he's just drastically improving, and he's just so strong. He's strong on every puck. He's uh, he's actually way more creative than I thought. Like at, initially, I thought he kind of lacked the creativity that a true top six center would need. And the more I watch him, the more I think, no, he doesn't lack the creativity whatsoever. Like tonight, especially, he was making things happen for his team and they just couldn't finish. But he was the guy out there. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Like, I like Pinto and I, I remember everyone like, and this is the thing that I think sense fans need to start realizing we need to stop looking at the draft. We really need to stop looking at a player being like, he was drafted way too early. You know who you can make an argument who was drafted way too late? Mark Stone. Sixth round pick, and now he's making $9.5 million. Pajot, drafted, I think, in the fifth round and making $5 million. Hoffman, another like fifth or, six, or fourth or fifth round pick. The Zingle was a seventh round pick. And, you know, all these guys that we wanted to spend money on were all late round picks, you know. We've had more success with it with later round picks than we have with top and picks over the last like 10 years. But it's just like we really need to stop paying attention to it because Batherson was a fourth round pick and now he's projected to be a top six winger. Pinto, everyone thought he was going to be picked way too early and now he's projecting to be a top six center. And it's just like we just need to relax and just trust Pierre Dorian on what he's doing. Heck, even the the first round picks sometimes are met with some scrutiny on Twitter. Like Eric Carlson, when he was picked, everyone said like he's way too small and Ottawa just basically wasted a pick. Um, same thing with Brady Kachuk. I mean, not the size, but, you know, for the opposite reasons, he was kind of this big plug and uh, just couldn't do very much offensively. And I think that year he had like seven goals in the U.S. National Development Program. 
He had eight goals as a freshman at I think BU. Right. And he had like, but he had like I think forty-one points or something like that, or twenty-one points. Like right, like everyone point. like ripped that apart. Everyone looked at the numbers and just criticized it for so long. <laughs> and yeah. so far, all these guys are proving a throng and, and the Senators scouts are looking pretty damn good at this point, even on Clevin. Like Clevin's a guy that I think out of this draft, if you, if you make, you can make a case for Marilinen as the most kind of scrutinized pick. Um, but I think Clevin was, was right up there because they traded up to get him. Uh, with the Leafs. And again, they they passed up some talented players for a guy like Clevin, but now Clevin's all of a sudden looking like a talented player himself. Like that goal that he scored um, in the third game in UND was outrageous. It was just not something you're expecting from the Twitter scouts, especially. <laughs> See, here's the thing. I, I refuse to talk about players that I haven't seen. That's why I had no comment really on your venti outside of like, I've heard really good things about him. Like I, I watched a little bit of his highlights. You know, I this last draft I've really focused on, you know, the top ten because, you know, two picks in the top ten, that's kind of where my focus was, or even just the North American, like the CHL players and some of the college players. So Clevin kind of came out of nowhere. And I was like, you know what? Let, let's just wait and see. You know, it, 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 he reminded me of a lot of the Pinto pick in terms of kind of a little bit of a reach. But let's see what he does. He's going to UND. Let's just be patient. And I think, you know, a lot of fan or a lot of, you know, especially since Twitter, they don't like being patient. They just want, they want results right away. And they don't realize that we did results right away. And we're in the situation that we're on because of it. Because we weren't winning games with the core that we had, but we were just good enough. And they're like, oh, well, we're good enough. So let's just add pieces here and there and try to fix it. Right. And, Montreal will will tell you firsthand if you just follow their progress it's it's probably not going to work because <laughs> that's kind of what they've been doing for the last number of years you know but sticking with the core they have and, yeah like price I, I get it I get it but again we had Eric Carlson and you could say the same kind of thing when you have a, a player like Eric Carlson you could build around them and um, and sometimes it just doesn't work out yeah I mean like for in Montreal's defense you know they, they've made moves that they needed to make. You know, I think adding a guy like Petrie and Sherratt in the offseason, I think a year or two and a year and a half, like two years ago, respectfully. Yeah, like they, they've done a good amount of stuff for me to warrant a little bit more patience. If we're going to talk about a team that has tried to band-aid it, it's Toronto. Well, I mean, they to- they did tear it down when they got rid of the Fanoofs and the Kessels and you know, those guys, and then tried to redo it. And for the most part, it went pretty successfully up, up until, again, I think when they signed Tavares. And again, that, that was like the Band-Aid move. It was, okay, let's rush let's rush it. Let's not build it organically. Let's take a step forward really quickly. And sometimes that just doesn't work out. You just got to be patient and trust the process. And I think that's that's Ottawa's plan. And I think that's, to me, that will be successful or at least have the most likelihood to be successful uh, in today's NHL. You, you can't just fast track things and add this piece and that piece and expect that you're going to win games. hundred percent agreed. And I think Ottawa's done it and I'm excited to see what happens. We just need to be a little bit more patient and understanding that like, Hey, we might not be great this year. And we'll, you know, we'll get into that a little bit later, but yeah, hit 31 points. So in, uh, in his first year at Boston university, uh, Kachuk at eight goals, 23 assists for 31 points in 40 games as a freshman. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's again, that's res- very respectable, but for a fourth, fourth overall pick, everyone was saying, Oh, that's, you know, that's a reach there. And analytically his numbers are poor and, you know, whatever the people were saying, he's big and slow and, and doesn't have the offensive abilities that someone being picked fourth overall should. Which makes no sense because if you look at his, and I know it's the World Juniors, and we were literally just talking about it earlier in the episode how we shouldn't take the World Juniors seriously. But when you're a junior, when you're an 18 year old or 17 year old playing uh, in university against really against men, um, you know you have to look at the World Juniors because that's really their only showing against people like kids their own age. He had nine points in seven games for Team USA at the World Juniors in his draft year in 2018. So like he put up if he was in this if he went to this if he followed the same route that 
you know, Matthew Kachuk uh, followed, I don't think there's any question that he's a top three pick. Yeah, and a lot of people now looking back are kind of upset at Montreal. And I think Kotkaniemi, he's done himself some favors this past playoffs. He's definitely bounced back. But I think that's the player that Montreal uses to compare Kotkaniemi to is Brady Kachuk. And Brady made it pretty damn tough for him pretty much right out of the gate. So um, so kudos to the Senators for sticking to their guns and drafting the player that they knew they wanted. Um, and I think they did the same thing with Sanderson, and I think we'll probably see the same results with Sanderson. 100%. I still think they probably could have traded down and grabbed him, uh, unless they felt like Anaheim was going to grab him at six. I really feel strongly that Anaheim would have took him right after them, right at six. See, I don't think – I think Anaheim, by, by all accounts from what I've seen, Anaheim was really sold on Drysdale. Like, it was a, a puck moving that they haven't really – they didn't need another Cam Fowler. They wanted, like, more of a – of a puck mover and I felt like they, and they were kind of weak on the right side. So I, from everything I I've seen is that they were kind of more sold on Drysdale over Sanderson anyways. It's hard. It's hard to know for sure, but yeah, I've heard mixed opinions on that. I have heard Anaheim was really into Sanderson and I've heard that many NHL teams seen Sanderson as the top uh, defenseman in the draft versus Drysdale, who, who's a little bit more offensive, uh, but certainly, uh, not quite as good defensively. He is good. Like, he's respectable defensively. He's a good skater and everything. But I think Sanderson, as I said before, I think Sanderson's not the flashy guy, but he's going to be the better the better uh, defenseman out of Drysdale, out of, even out of Shabbat. I've said that before, but I, I feel that strongly about Sanderson. And I, I agree. I think overall he's going to be the better, probably the best defenseman Ottawa has seen in quite a while, uh, personally. My my thing with this, like with the prospects is, you know, how do you handle all of them and who gets moved on? Because we're not going to be able to have everyone that we currently have. And there's a chance that no matter what we do, we're going to get bit in the butt like, and we're going to get screwed over. We're going to trade a Brom off for like a mid-range pick or, or something and he's going to turn out to be a top six player or we're gonna we're gonna pick the wrong prospect. Like there there is that possibility, right? I think no trade is a hundred percent exact. I think if you look at the Carlson trade, is prime example, right? No one expected, you know, Norris to kind of have the rookie year he did in the AHL. Balser's taking that step forward, and that pick turning out to be you know Timmy Stutzel, Stutzla. So it's gonna be interesting. I'm really excited for this team. Uh, I'm excited for these prospects whenever they get up here, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do over the next little while. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And I think um, the senators have showed at least some patience with their current prospects, like Logan Brown, I can think of off the top of my head where he hasn't exactly panned out immediately in the NHL, um, but they've at least showed that they're going to be patient with their guys, that they're going to let them develop at their own pace um, and not kind of get rid of someone too early and have someone kind of bite you years later, kind of like Zibanejad did, where he just completely turned his game around. Um, but but you're right. Like Pinto is another one who's coming up that now is probably going to force the Senators into a tough decision. Like now you're looking at, okay, Norris, Logan Brown, Colin White, Shane Pinto. They're not all going to be Ottawa Senators. They can't be. You just have to pick one you're okay losing, and I think that might be Logan Brown. There's a lot of talk of like protecting him in the expansion draft. You may not. They they may decide like, hey, we don't think you have a lot. Like, he may not have a lot of value. He may have a lot. Like, he may have a lot of value. He may not have a lot of value. Um, and if they feel like he doesn't have a lot of value, they may leave him exposed for Seattle. And if Seattle doesn't take him, they're like, okay. But if they do, they're like, okay. It's it's one of those things where I think with Logan Brown, his days in Ottawa are numbered, unfortunately. Uh, unless he has that breakout season this year, and then they're going to be forced into another tough decision. Who do you protect? Who do you, you know, who do you give up? Yeah, um, but... It's going to be interesting. I, I hope, I hope I'm wrong. And I hope that um, some way, somehow that, you know, Brown shows that he can be a legit top six player, but if he doesn't do it this year, he's done for. I'm still holding on to hope for Logan Brown. I, I 
do like aspects of his game. I just think there's a few things that he needs to be much better on intensity and pace being, you know, a couple, but I do see that high end skill. Like I see the high end playmaking ability. He has a decent shot. He's a big lengthy guy. He can use his reach. He's not very physical for a guy his size. Like there's, there's definitely flaws, but as many flaws as there are, there's things to like. So I I am a little hesitant to, uh, to see what happens here. I, I really don't want Ottawa to move on too quickly. Um, but at the same time, if you can get something for him, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Yeah, I think it's one of those, like, he's not a deal breaker kind of thing. But before we go into the break, uh, we'll, we'll, we're going to have to talk about it a little bit. Uh, the reverse retro jerseys. I know we are both on NHL 21. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming you've you've played around with some of them and seen some of them and, like, kind of played as different teams with the reverse retro I want to talk a little bit about which ones we think will stay permanently as an NHL third or retro or alternate jersey for next season. If there's some, if there's not all of them, because, you know, there's a chance that we don't, Ottawa, you know, Canadian teams aren't going to see them. Most of the teams, most of the fan bases aren't going to see them. Uh, So maybe they want to bring them all back for one more year after this year. Who knows? But I got to ask you a question. If you had to pick five, or actually, let's do 10 because five is a very small number. Which 10 would you like to see brought back as a, on a full-time basis? Okay. Uh, that's going to be tough without a list in front of me, but I'll, I'll do my best because there's many that I like. Like, I think a lot of teams did well here. Um, uh, I think I've got to go with uh, the Flames uh, first and foremost. I think that's going to stick around because it's going to be a hot seller uh, no matter what. Um, honestly... Uh, the Sens reverse retro has completely grown on me. Like, I absolutely love it now. Um, initially, I was kind of like, yeah, they, you know, they didn't really tap into their creativity too much. But I think what you said is true. I think the red is going to stick around. Um, and I don't know that they're in love with the O, uh, like you've said before. So uh, I think Ottawa is going to keep theirs around. Um, definitely Washington. Washington's is, you know, they went back with a classic. They have to keep that around. Uh, Colorado is interesting. I don't don't know if they're going to keep it around or if it's going to be a one-off. I want them to keep it around, uh, but there's a lot of people on the fence about, you know, the whole controversy around should they be wearing the Quebec jersey or not. Um, I like it. Uh, Oh, man, off the top of my head. I think San Jose, they went back to the gray, the classic look. Um, and it kind of brings you back. And I know you're not a huge fan of that one. I think it'll stick. Uh, I don't know how many I'm at now, but... Uh, you're at five, I believe. I'm only you're at five. five. Okay. Um, who else? Uh, St. Louis. <laughs> kind of threw a curveball here, I know. I wanted to see how you, how well you'd be able to, to do this. <laughs> how, can, how can you handle pressure, right? <laughs> St. Louis. No, St. Louis is... Uh, I've got to give them props because I think their jersey looks unbelievable. Um, and I think it's going to stick. Tampa Bay went to a classic, um, to back to the Marty St. Louis days and the Le Cavalier days. Um, that one's got to stick around. Oh, man. Jeez. Uh, I, I don't like the Jets. I, I don't think they're sticking around with that, just the, the gray look. They, they had so much potential. The Islanders, definitely not. I mean, they just kind of kept it plain. Detroit's is going in the garbage. The Leafs, I mean, has been laughed at by a lot of people. So uh, that's not sticking around. Uh, maybe it's easier to pick out the ones that aren't sticking around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, the Leafs kind of embraced their nickname of the Toronto Maple Laughs with that jersey. It's horrible. Uh, Carolina's another one. Carolina's got to stick around with the Whalers. Um, they already did the Whalers in, in the past, but they did a nice... Uh, really nice look with the Whalers. I think they went with a gray look. Uh, looks fantastic. It's got to stick around. Arizona and LA. I think that's 10. Yeah. <laughs> I think I got you. It took me a while, but what yeah, do you so, got? Give me so your 10. Me, it's not in any particular order, so don't crucify yeah, me. Neither was mine. <laughs> um, so I got, uh, most of them are the same. You know, I got uh, Calgary, Ottawa, uh, LA. I have New Jersey sticking around. Pittsburgh. Um, I think, you know, Arizona is most likely going to stick around. I think we're going to see a white Kachina jersey next year, and they're going to go back to the Kachina look. 
I, I hope. Um, that's what, seven? Or is that six or seven? I think it's six. Um, I think, you know, we could see Montreal stick around. I think that would be – that blue would be nice. Um, St. Louis, yeah, I could see that sticking around. That's on the fence of, like, sticking around versus, you know, being, being gone. Uh, Colorado, I can see it sticking around depending on how well it does. Hartford, like the Hartford uh, reverse retro Washington are all teams that I could see sticking around. There's honestly, I think like, you know, Philly, uh, Dallas, Winnipeg, Edmonton are teams that are probably just doing this as a one of kind of thing. But I, I just, I just hope that some of these yeah, teams. Dallas, Dallas, is Dallas is yeah, Dallas better in particular is, it's gone. <laughs> I mean, they're just going to be camo with the ice. It's completely white. It looks horrible. Yeah, I don't like it. Uh, I'm just hoping that no. some of these teams actually, like, use it to go back in time. The teams that didn't have, like, Boston's is a Buffalo. Buffalo's going to be around. Got to give a, give a shout-out to Buffalo's jersey. But I hope they kind of, like, these are teams that kind of tap into their, their history a little bit more and decide to be a little bit more creative and more fun with their jerseys. I hope. I hope this is what we start seeing. I'm not going to hold my breath, but I hope that some of these jerseys do stick around and we're seeing kind of a revert, like a flip in mentalities when it comes to jerseys for the NHL. I think it was a, it was a home run for the NHL, like the reverse retro theme for the most part. Like there's just a small handful of teams that I think didn't do well here. And I think most of them hit it out of the park. Like they did really, really well with this theme and, and a lot of them embraced it. Um, we didn't get to Anaheim. Like, that's one that we didn't talk about that's probably the most creative jersey. Um, and they went back in time a little bit. Do you think that's going to stick around, the Wild Wing? I'm not sure. I'm so on the fence with it. Like, I love it. I think it's great. I personally love the the look. Um, I just don't know if they're going to go back. Like, I feel like with their current home set, it just it's weird. It's like it, one of those, like, it just stands out way too much, which is why I think for for Arizona, they might bring they should bring back the white Kachina and then just go with that whole look, uh, which is why I think Ottawa's is so nice. Um, LA's is, is beautiful. Like teams that kind of went like Calgary, that entire look is so like re- retro that like it's beautiful together. So I'm hoping that we see Anaheim introduce the old Mighty Ducks logo as their full time logo. If that's the case, I think they'll they'll keep it. But if not, I just feel like it, it just want, it has to be a very special jersey like one one they keep around but not one they wear very often is anaheim not in most need of a rebrand kind of doing exactly what ottawa did and going back to the mighty ducks because i i think the black and orange it was cool at the time when they first introduced it but it's been long overdue just like ottawa was for a rebrand in my mind oh 100 i would be totally okay and hey with apparently this new mighty duck series god forbid coming back I I don't understand why everyone loves those movies. The best thing to come out of it was the team's jerseys. That was about it. Um, but anyways, my, my movie opinions aside, <laughs> it, with, with this series coming back, maybe it's the perfect time to rebrand and go back to the Mighty Duck. And maybe the, maybe just don't call them the Mighty Ducks. Maybe just go back to the – stay the Anaheim Ducks, but bring back that Mighty Duck logo. Bring the Mighty back. I love it. They have to, they have to, if they're bringing the theme back, they've got to go back to Mighty Ducks. And when you have that in your arsenal, why not use it? Like that's going to be a hot seller. I think for so I many, mean, I think they'll have to buy the rights. Like, I'm not sure what kind of rights they own from Disney. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they own the name, the Mighty Ducks. Maybe they just were able to buy the, the Jersey or the, the logos. Um, if they were able to buy the name, then go ahead, go right back to the Mighty Ducks, bring up the exact same jerseys. And keep the wild wing full time. I don't care, but like it just it, it looks off with their current set. Right. As long as they're not doing a flying V out there, then we don't have to worry too much, right? Yeah, basically. <laughs> like I, I'd be totally okay with them going back to the Mighty Ducks, um, and then just you know bring back that whole entire look. I'm totally okay with it. Absolutely. Uh, so why don't we get into our break, and then when we come back, let's do our division talk. Oh yeah, we got plenty of division talk again. And this is one I think you want to you'll want to tune in for this. I think this one's going to get relatively heated. All right, let's do it. 
<laughs> All right, we'll be back after this short break. We've got hockey talk. Those are the moments you're a sports fan for. Um, those are the moments where you know you're down three nothing, and the team has this amazing comeback, and the guy who you want, who you really are thinking this needs to be the star of this team, has a hat trick. We've got beer. It has a unicorn on the can. Uh, an easy drinking beer that's just delicious. We want to help you understand the sport you love better. What kind of things are you looking for to understand the game better? What you know? What's a couple of things someone who's watching the game at home when things start up here in a few weeks, or if they're watching college hockey, what's going on right now? What kind of things would they be looking for to try and understand the game better, or what's happening in the game, that sort of thing? Sure. Yeah, it's a great question, and I think it's it's something that's evergreen. Um... Listen to Jackets Debrief, part of the Hockey Podcast Network, and available wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. But we are back, and we are ready to get into the exciting news of the NHL this week. December 31st, Kansas, as the reported news, January 13th, uh, first game, and new divisions. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the, the camp first because as Ottawa fans our boy Eric Brandstrom has been reportedly coming back to Ottawa uh, from his loan with the Tigers in the Swiss League he's the only player that I think for you know Balsers and Co he's the only player uh, at least confirmed or reported coming back from loan that's interesting but it means hey it's a positive sign yeah I think Gustafson's the other guy that I've just seen I think this morning uh, announced that he's coming back as well but uh, Eric Brandstrom on his way back. What does that mean to you? Does that mean he's going to get some NHL time? Or is that just he's coming back for camp and kind of we'll see? I think it really depends on what happens with the AHL. I think that's really all. Like, I think they'll feel they'll, they'll be confident send, or feel comfortable sending him back to the AHL. If they need to, they feel confident sending him back to, to Europe if they have to. And if he earns a spot in the NHL, well, can you earn a spot in the NHL? I think that's kind of what the the team is looking at. Is like, you know, you're going to have to come in and earn the spot no matter who you are. But we're not going to pressure. Like, we don't feel – there's no kind of pressure. Unlike maybe Logan Brown where there might be a little bit. But for Branstrom, I think they're comfortable and understanding that, hey, like, going back to the NHL isn't necessarily a bad thing. You know, not everyone can break into the league at, like, you know, 19, 20, 21. Not always how it works. And, you know, I'm as a Suns fan, I, I wouldn't be upset if he goes back to Europe or to Belleville if, you know, if that's the case. Yeah, I think with the schedules not exactly lining up, um, there's probably a little bit more of a thought that goes into him at least making the NHL roster to start um, and probably getting some games maybe to start, um, at least until they know that there's an AHL season for Brandstrom to develop. Um, and then it would be a much easier easier decision to send him back down. Uh, but right off the hop, I could see him getting games, and I don't think they'll be too worried about scratching veteran guys like a Branson um, and Zub, who we haven't seen play yet, over mm-hmm. someone that you know fits into the long long term um, of the team. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's. I mean. It depends on where they want him to play, right? Do they go back against what they said last year and have him playing on the right side? Do they move Lynn into the right side? There's a lot of questions. You know, could we see a Lynn and Branstrom duo with Lynn on the right side? Possibly. Uh, so I think it's just coming down to what the organization feels is best. You know, if if they feel like, you know, none of the guys, Brown, Zub, Zeitz have good Branson are taking one of those three spots on the right side and Lennon and Branstrom are having really good camps. And so is Riley. They may, they may feel more compelled to, to try a Branstrom will land in second pairing with uh, will on the right side or Branstrom on the right side. It would definitely change people's perspective of, you know, Ottawa lacking mobility this year on the right side. Um, but once again, we don't need to rush into you know, having a young prospect who's not ready um, play in the NHL at this point, it, it could hurt his development. So uh, we want to have a long-term perspective with this. So if Brandstrom's not ready, there's absolutely no need to rush him and have him play on his offside 
or even have him play on his comfortable side where, you know, he's just not ready. He's, he's getting beat defensively and, um, you know, and he can't box out at this point and all, all the fine things that you have to do in your own end to be a successful defenseman in the NHL. Um, we need, we need him to fine tune those things in the American league. Um, and hopefully we have that option later on this year. Yeah. And I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do over the next little while, but you know, if it's December 31st, if they come out next week, cause I think they have until they would, they would have until the 16th. So next Wednesday, they should have, we should have a, a decision on what's going on. Really. If they want a January 13th uh, start date, because, you know, teams that are the seven bubble teams, they start camp on the 31st, which is the Thursday. You'll probably want your players back in before the Wednesday. So they're out of quarantine by the 30th. So we need an answer. If we're going to January 13th start date, we need an answer by next Wednesday at the very latest. Yeah, I think we're close. Yeah, I've heard a couple of people uh, mention Wednesday as the day that it will be made official. Um, of course, they're still looking at division alignment and, you know, whatever. Obviously, some uh, governors are complaining about the way the divisions look. Uh, some owners are complaining. So, um, so that's going to get brought up again. But we're going to go with what we have now to talk about the divisions. Um, and it's going to get interesting. So here's what we know right now. Uh, this is what it's going to look like. And we could call them whatever you want to call them. I don't know what you want to call them. Division A, B, C, and Canadian division. <laughs> I mean, I, I just really called it East, Central, West. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Like, you have all your East teams. I mean, you can make the, the Central, Southeast, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then you have the West. I don't really see the middle one. Like the one that has both West and East teams are going to be the most difficult. But, you know, East and West, and then the love child of the two. <laughs> the love child division, the mom and the dad. How about that? That's what we go. go with. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that sounds good. So uh, so let's go with the, the first one that we see, uh, starting with Boston. So give me your uh, eight to one on that division. So eight to one, man, this is going to be interesting. Yeah. I have Boston going first, um, obviously. And I'll be, uh, just before everyone points out, this graphic uh, is going to be posted on Twitter and whatnot. But this graphic is alphabetical, not – or should be in alphabetical order if I remember how to do alphabetical order correctly. Um, <laughs> but they should all be in alphabetical order, not order I think they're going to to finish, just before anyone jumps down my throat. Um, so I got, I got Boston first. I think the Islanders are going to be second. It's a toss-up. I think the Rangers should finish third, uh, but I have them sitting at fourth. I have the the Flyers at third, Washington coming in at fifth, Pittsburgh at sixth, and then the Devils uh, last with Buffalo at seventh. Wow, yeah. So we're going to see this totally differently. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, so uh, I'll give you my my eighth place team is the same as yours. I think, did you say the Devils? Yeah, the Devils coming in at 8th and then Buffalo at 7th. Yeah, so I have the Devils in 8th. In 7th, I have Pittsburgh this year. I think Pittsburgh is an aging core that uh, is going to go downhill for the next little while, and I think we'll see them kind of join the bottom feeders of the league. Uh, At 6th, I have the New York Islanders, who you had at 2nd. So you're you're much higher on the Islanders than I am. Um, I don't see them getting a whole lot better. Although they were they were pretty decent, um, and they did play with a very good structure, um, so it's kind of a, a an interesting team. But I don't see a ton of talent outside of Barzell. Um, I just and, trust I just trust Barry Trotz to get the most out of this team, and seeing what they've done the last two years under him, I just it's it's hard with most of those guys coming back. You know, their goaltending is relatively intact, the defense is relatively intact. I just I don't know. I can't. I don't feel comfortable or confident going against Trotz right now. That that's the reason why I have them so high. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, if you've seen the playoffs at all, they played with great structure and they overachieved for sure. Um, they were definitely one of the better teams in the playoffs. Um, so that's a team that it could be higher. Like I, I would definitely hear someone out 
um, if they had the Islanders higher for sure. Uh, I have Buffalo at fifth. Um, I have Buffalo making a pretty big jump forward. Um, they made some significant additions, obviously Taylor Hall being the, the most significant. Um, and I think they're going to play out of their minds. I think, uh, I think they have a ton of talent. Like you, you can't deny the talent that Buffalo has. They just don't play with some of the same structure, but I, I think this is the year where they're going to find that balance. Um, fourth, I have the Rangers uh, making a big step forward. Uh, most prominently, Alexi Lafreniere on that team. Um, joining some of the other talented young players that the Rangers have. At third, Philadelphia, Philadelphia uh, strong core. At second, Boston. And at first, Washington. Really? Washington at first? I don't trust him, him. I don't trust that Samsonov Lundqvist duo. And if you want to talk about aging core, you know, <laughs> Washington's up there. You know, Ovechkin, Backstrom, Oshie. Uh, I just, I think for the reason why I have Pittsburgh kind of on the bubble, um, is is Crosby and Malkin. You know, yeah. fifty six. The Crosby had, uh, you know, Crosby had forty seven points. Or yeah, forty seven points. Where is he? Yeah, 47 points in 41 games. And then Malkin had 74 points in 55 games. I think with those two, if if they're both healthy and rested after a long layoff, I'm I'm worried playing against. And, you know, their goaltending is a question 100%. They've added some key pieces. I think Kapanen's going to be a huge addition to them. You know, Zuccarello, uh, Zucker's still there. Uh, Gensel's healthy. Or Gun, uh, Gensel's healthy. I just... My, my big thing with Pittsburgh is goaltending, and if their goaltending can't stand up, they're not going anywhere. But I think with Crosby and Malkin, it's kind of hard to um, disrupt them. And then I think Philly's just going to move Pat, like just do what they did last year with Carter Hart mm-hmm. and Co. I think they're going to, and honestly, I think this division, though, is probably the most like. It's tough. That's it, a tough division. It, yeah. Like, it, I don't think there's really, like, Boston should be the clear cut winner. But, you know, you can make an argument that, you know, Washington can go off and win. It's going to be hard. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. I'm really excited. I think this one's going to be one where, you know, teams could falter. And if they falter easy, like early on, they're done. Yeah, and the Bruins are going to be starting the season without some of their best players, right? And they lost Chara. I mean, I don't know how much of a lost Chara really is. He looked like a freaking pylon out there during the playoffs. Yeah, he would draw like an interference every time. Like someone would go around him, and a lot of the times it wouldn't get called. But I was like, man, this guy, he's really slowed down. But at the same time, he was a presence. It's kind of like Dustin Bufflin, although he was more impactful on the ice. I think Dustin Bufflin in Winnipeg brought that presence, and I think Chara brought a very similar presence in Boston. So I'll be curious to see how that decor does without um, without him on it. I mean, I think a bigger loss is Krug, honestly. Oh, that's a that's a major loss. I mean, that's that's I mean, yeah, for sure. That's a top four, probably a top two defenseman on any team. So big loss. Uh, and then of course starting the season without Pasternak, that's gonna be another big loss. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, and I mean, hey, it's, I'm I'm excited for this division. I think this division's gonna be a lot of fun. It's stacked up, that's for sure. There's no real weak, weak team. Even Jersey has some players on it that could bounce back. Hey, a Crawford, who knows, a Crawford Blackwood combo, if they're if they're on bar on ball, yeah. they could make some noise. But moving on to the Love Child division, <laughs> uh, featuring majority uh Eastern Conference teams. Uh, we got the defending Stanley Cup champions in there. Uh, we got the shithole Florida Panthers who don't know what they're <laughs> if they're if they're selling or buying every year they're kind of on the fence. You got the storm surge Hurricanes. Oh man, there is some. This one's interesting. I think I, I'm gonna give you my first. I'm gonna give you my top eight. I got Tampa. I'm number one. I think mm-hmm. there's no there's no stopping Tampa. I think Columbus goes second in this division. Wow. All right. Uh, you know, adding Max Domi, if they can stay healthy, if Cam Atkinson's healthy, and, you know, with Seth Jarvis or Seth, well, Seth Jones and um, Zach Rubensky and, you know, Merzlikens and Corpusello, this division is very winnable. For Or even like just finishing second in this division is very doable for a Columbus team that, you know, 
went toe and toe with Tampa last year in the playoffs. You know, I think you can make an argument that if hey, if if Columbus wins that five game five overtime period game, Tampa might lose that series again. So who knows? I think Columbus is in at number two. Number three, I have the Wild. Uh, I think, you know, the goaltending situation is going to fix itself out with Talbot and uh, Stalock. They have some questions on forwards, but I think Rossi is going to make a huge impact. Fiala is going to continue to improve. Got Minnesota at three. Number four, I got uh, the Hurricanes going in at number four. I don't their, – their, goal, their goaltending is really the, the question mark with Morazic and Reimer. Uh, their defense is going to win. Like, it should do them solid, but – with the amount of back-to-backs, can Morazic and Reimer form a dynamic duo uh, at number four? So I got the Hurricanes there. They could slot in as easily as number two, really. Uh, number five, I got the Predators because I don't see Johansson or, or Duchesne bouncing back and they're wishy-washy, Rene and Yaros. So I'm, I'm, I'm cautious about them. And then I got... Uh, Rounding out, you know, Florida because they lost a bunch of scoring. Who knows what Bobrovsky they're going to get. I got Chicago because Subban, I think, is going to be their starting goaltender. I don't know if they they signed anyone. And, you know, Detroit because it's Detroit. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I I think we're pretty similar in this one. There's a few differences, but um, I I think, do, do you agree that this is the weakest division of any of them? A hundred percent. I mean, one through eight. Yeah. I, I think they're the top. It's top heavy. I find it's the same yeah. as the, the West, yeah. but like the bottom, the bottom half is, is weak. Yeah. But this is really the only division that has, like you can look at four teams here that potentially shouldn't be playoff teams. Yeah, basically. Um, but so, so here's my list. I have, so I'll, I'll start at number one, like you did. I'll go. So Tampa Bay, the most obvious choice there. Um, as you said, it's very top heavy and they're going to be at the top of that division. I think way easier than they were at the top of the Atlantic division. So easier division for Tampa. Uh, second, I have Carolina, despite the goaltending. Um, I think they're just too good. Uh, they're possession gods. They always have the puck. Uh, and I really, really like their decor. I have Nashville at third, um, and that's one that I'm kind of hesitant on. I'm not sure why I picked them there because I do have an aging core, but um, but I have them there. Uh, I, I I do still like pieces of their team. There there isn't really glaring holes on their team. They're just kind of older, and there's really nothing nothing too shiny about them. Uh, I have Minnesota at fourth, Columbus at fifth. Uh, and then I have Florida, Detroit, and Chicago rounding it out. I have Detroit moving up this year, uh, not being dead last. Uh, but I do have Chicago taking a step down. So in uh, Florida, you never know. I mean, Florida could be last very well in this division. As you said, they're the most wishy-washy, kind of uncertain team in the, in the entire league. Yeah, I mean, I... I think bottom three is kind of up for grabs. I think Detroit's going to finish at the bottom of the division. And, you know, when you have a, when you have a team like Debrinkit with Debrinkit, Doc, Kane, Taves, and Keith, you're going to find ways to win. And when you're playing Detroit, I think they're a better team than Detroit because of it. Um, who, who's playing in net for Chicago this year? I think it's Malcolm Subban. I think that's who their starting goaltender is. See, that? See, that's what worries me. It's They don't really have a... A number one goaltender <laughs> or or a good decor i mean they have an aging decor so i don't know it's there's some question marks there in chicago they can score goals though like you said they're, they're gonna have some forwards there yeah it's gonna be interesting um but you know moving on to the pacific division um this one again it's it's top heavy I think if you look at it, um, what, five teams were in the play-in? Five out of the eight teams were in the play-in mm-hmm. last year, and then, you know, two of them went to the conference finals, uh, you know. So it's just like, for number one, I'm, I'm picking Colorado. They're, I believe they were top of the Central. Uh, they have a really good core. They've gotten better, in my opinion, during the offseason. 
So I got Colorado going number one. Uh, number two, I have uh, Vegas because I think Leonard Flurry tandem is going to be good. Their their top six is very like very strong. So I got and you know Peter Angelo is going to and Theodore are going to run rough shot. So you know I have them going number two. Number three, I got the Blues. Uh, you know replace Krug, Peter Angelo with Krug, and you know Biddington's in net. They haven't really changed much else. So I got Blues at three. Number four is Dallas. Coming off a strong playoffs, I wouldn't. I would be very surprised if they don't continue that momentum. Number, you know, uh, number six. This one, this is easy. Arizona, Darcy Kemper and Co. I think they're gonna do something. You can't really be much worse than you know the California teams. Um, and number, and number six, I have. Uh, San Jose, because I think, you know, Burns, Carlson, all that, and they're going to bounce back. I just don't trust their goaltending. Uh, number seven would be Anaheim because John Gibson, and, you know, they've gotten better. They they have players who can produce. And then at number eight, I have LA. They, they just don't seem to know what they're doing over there. <laughs> all right. Uh, so a few differences. Uh, it starts off the same. I have Colorado, number one for obvious reasons, uh, Vegas, number two, more obvious reasons. Uh, I think we flipped three and four. So I have Dallas at three. I have St. Louis at four. I think you had it St. Louis and then Dallas. Um, so we, we agree on, a, on the top four here. Uh, top five. I have uh, number five. I have San Jose. Um, I just think the sharks are too good of a team to do as bad as they did last year. Um, and I don't know that that was truly how bad they are, but we'll see that this year. Uh, if that proves to be true, then they'll be definitely near the bottom of the league for the next little while. But uh, I, I don't think they're a good team, but I don't think they're that bad of a team. Uh, so I'm I'm looking at that team and the roster, and I think they can rise up. Uh, number six, I have L.A. Uh, I think L.A., again, will take a step forward. Uh, I do like some of the pieces. Obviously, they have one of the best prospect pools in the league. Uh, you know, they're right there with Ottawa as two of the best uh, up-and-coming teams in the future. So I think they'll keep adding to their core and get younger and get a lot more skilled um, and then start to see some of their stars, Kopitar and company, age out. Uh, number seven, I have Arizona. Uh, because I don't really see what they did in the offseason. They didn't really do much at all. Uh, I don't believe in their core there whatsoever. I really like Darcy Kemper, uh, much like you said, in net. I think he's a solid goaltender. Uh, but they did get rid of Ranta, their backup. So uh, that'll be interesting. Uh, and number eight, uh, Anaheim, because I think they're just probably the worst team in the league next year. Really? Yeah, that's how I see it. That that's that's a hot take right there. Yeah, I I don't see this team getting better, dramatically better anytime soon. Um, I stopped believing in Gibson and Net. I don't think he's very good anymore. Um, their their core is just it's very old at this point. Uh, there's a few pieces. Obviously, there's a few pieces I like. Zegras being one of them, but. Um, but that's where, where I see Anaheim for the next few years, right at the bottom. That's fair. And I mean, I think a lot of like the bottom four is very kind of in between everything, right? You have top heavy, you have your top four, and then, you know, you have your bottom four of and any of those bottom four can really be last in the division when you're playing against each other so often. It's kind of hit or miss right now. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, there's there's not a whole lot to like about Anaheim, so I think they need that rebrand. <laughs> oh, 100%. Uh, 100% agree. And I mean, do we really, we, we've really we already talked about the Canadian division, so I don't know if we really need to, to yeah, go. Yeah, we, we did a whole, yeah, we did a whole thing on that. Um, you know, if it, we can quickly one down, you know, I have it right here anyways. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you had Toronto, Calgary, Vancouver, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Montreal. And Ottawa, one uh, one through seven. I had Calgary, Toronto, Montreal, Winnipeg, Ottawa, Edmonton, Vancouver, one through seven. And again, I think if you ask a lot of people, I'm a little bit, maybe maybe too much of a homer when it comes to the Sens pick. 
uh, at number five. I just I like their goaltending, and I, I this is all based on goaltending because it's a 56 game season, a lot of back to backs. If your goaltending can't stand up, you're going to have some questions. I like, and I mean it's not even fair because I like Vancouver's goaltending, but I don't think it's good. It will be good enough to kind of handle the the losses that Vancouver's had. But you know, we're hitting the hour mark. Um, so we're going to, we're going to start to wrap things up. It's, you know, nine 30 at night. So on a Saturday, we have other things to do as well. Um, Hey, it's that Christmas time, right? Got family and things to get ready for, but we're going to revisit, uh, something, our first over under, we're going to revisit it because we actually kind of have a, a game total that we're going to be doing. So I figured we revisit the Ottawa win total. And just for everyone to remember, um, Wins are overtime. Overtime shootout losses count as half a win. Uh, so this year in a 56-game season, we're probably looking at about 30 wins gets you into the playoffs. So I'm going to say for Ottawa, over under 22 and a half wins. All right, 22 and a half. Um, and 30, 30 approximately gets you in. I think that's that's really close to where they'll be. Like that's that's what I'm hoping. Kind of you know in that range would be a nice step forward. So um, let let's be positive. I'll take the over on it. I like the team. I'm gonna say they they go just over. I'm not gonna uh, say that they're gonna make the playoffs unless it's like an expanded playoff again. Uh, then there's potential. But I, I think I think they'll be just uh, just outside anyway. So what was your win total? So let's go with 20, let's go with 20, 22 and a half was the uh, total. That yeah, you 22 and a half. So I'm going to go just, just a hair over. Let's go 23. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm going, I think we both went over and I'm pretty sure your last one, I went over a little bit more. Maybe I'm just unconfident in any other team in the Canadian division because of how God awful they've been year to year. Or maybe I'm just, you know, way too confident on the Senators, but I'm going at 27 and a half wins. Uh, in a 56 game season, I think they they don't make the playoffs, but I think they're knocking on the door. And I think a game or two, they're going to lose a game or two against Winnipeg that costs them the playoffs. Do you think if they do that, people will start jumping to conclusions a little bit? Because like, it is a it's a 56 game season. So do you think if Ottawa overachieves like that and, and gets like let's say they finish like tenth, like ninth or tenth in the conference, and they're just outside the playoffs? Do you think people jump to conclusions and think like, okay, the following year, they're definitely a playoff team? Yeah, but I think if we don't do any good, people are going to look at us. I think there's no in between. It's either it's one end of the spectrum or not. If we're last in the division, no one's going to think we're a playoff team. But if we're close to the playoffs, everyone's going to think we're a playoff team. Uh, But I think there is a middle where, you know, you have to look at, you know, it being a 56-game season, playing against the same six teams, the entire way that has a lot to do with it. And I don't think, I think saying, Oh, this team's going to be a playoff team next year. in like 21, 22 is, you know, it's something you want to experience because obviously we want to go into next year thinking that this team can be a playoff team. So it's not wrong thinking it. I just don't think we should look at this year as a benchmark. We shouldn't look at this year being like, okay, well, this is what they achieved. So this is what we got to do next year. Right. So it could be more more of a one-off, but, um, you know, don't sort of jump to too many conclusions this year. Uh, but again, uh, be excited about this year because this is a year where we could see some of our top prospects develop. Yeah, 100% agree. And I think if you're a Suns fan, if they do well, great, fantastic. Get on board. Jump on board. This is the time to jump on board. But don't be sitting here being like, you know, we got to go out and spend big money. Our window's now. Our window's not now. Our window's not going to be now for another, like, two years. So be patient. Trust the process. Even if we finish last, everyone's finished. Everyone expects us to finish last. So if we finish last in this division, it's fine. We're not, like, people are looking at this division and looking at Ottawa being like, well, they're expected there. So if we do end up there, it is what it is. Like, that's just how it how it goes. Yeah, again, I had them finishing last in the division, just not – being as bad as they were this year. So, you know, I'm looking at a, a step forward, like in the mid-20s, let's say, overall standings, um, but not finishing dead last. And I think 
you know, you have to take that as a step forward. If it's a step forward, it's a step forward. Um, even if it means, you know, finishing 25th in the league, that's still a step forward. And I think uh, a good one. So I would be satisfied with that. Yeah. And I mean, I think it also depends on who's playing, right? I think we don't want to finish 25th overall because our goaltending has sucked. Right? I think a lot of people would be kind of concerned if we finished 25th overall and our goaltending was the problem. I think we've all come to the conclusion that our defenses might cost us some games, and that's fine. But as long as, you know, Matt Murray or, or Hogberg aren't letting in the bad goal or, you know, the ill, ill-time goal where they need to make a save, we'll be fine. Yeah, agreed. You, you want to see kind of what you're expecting as opposed to what you're not. So if you're finishing lower, like you said, in the standings, you don't want to see something you're not expecting. You don't want to see, you know, one of your top players, let's say Colin White, for example, you don't want to see him have another season like he did last year. And, you know, uh, you know, there's several examples, but goaltending for sure, because these are the goaltenders of the future. So um, there's not a whole lot of change coming by way of goaltenders. So we're really hoping that Matt Murray's going to be Matt Murray. Yeah. And I mean, it's also not looking at, you know, Brady Kachuk, who, you know, for whatever reason, hits you know, over a point a game this year and expecting him to hit a point a game consistently in an 82-game season. I think his ceiling's probably just under a point a game. I'd be very surprised if he is in the 82-plus range consistently. And I mean, no one's going to complain if he is, but we have to temper expectations, temper, you know, expectations for next season based off of this season. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and yeah, Kachuk, he doesn't necessarily have to be a, a point per game guy. Like he could produce 60 to 70 points and be the effective player that he is everywhere else on the ice um, without, you know, without taking some of the bad penalties that he, he tends to take. I think he needs, he, he's got some things to clean up and his skating could use, you know, some cleaning up as well and some of the strength, but, but he's a really young player and he obviously has a high ceiling. Yeah, and I mean, I think if you ask most NHL players, they'll tell you that they always have to work on something. Yeah, always. <laughs> it never stops, so. I mean, you know what? I'm I'm just excited for this year. Uh, and I don't know if you saw the tweet, but there's um, Tanger Mala for, for our Ottawa listeners. If you're looking for a cheap jersey for from last year, the Marshalls at Tanger Outlets out in Canada has a bunch of them for uh, for like 80 bucks. Yeah, fantastic. There's a bunch of them. With names on it and everything? Uh, no, just... Um, like a blank? Yeah, just blank. Blank, home and away. Both Fanatic. Fanatics are like 60 bucks. Adidas are, are 80 bucks. But like that's still like 120 bucks difference. So, you know, Sweet. fantastic deal. I was very tempted to pick one up today. Absolutely. <laughs> that would be tempting. Yeah, but like... It's gonna be interesting to see what happens. Um, for for this, the I want to see the new jerseys on ice so bad. I just want to see hockey again. Like the the moment that the puck is dropped on the season, uh, it's it's definitely gonna be a cause for celebration. Um, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll be booking the day off work. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'll be able to do. I mean, I'm gonna try to do that. I might not be able to do that. Uh, but yeah. before we go, uh, you know. Boxing Day. Timmy Stitzel versus Quinn and Byfield. Germany versus Canada. Canada's uh, World Junior opener. It's going to be an interesting day for Sens fans. And Kings fans, too. Because a, a lot of Kings fans in the States, I wonder if they're going to be cheering for Canada to win. That's going to be interesting. Because there was a lot of Kings fans that wanted Stutzla as well. Like I, I remember it being kind of split. I was yeah. definitely reading kind of their stuff as well as Ottawa's stuff. And it was... It was a split both ways. Like these players definitely, they were very close. There was not much separating them. Um, and you know that Stutzla is going to want to show that he should have been picked second overall uh, because for him, everything's a competition and he just wants to win. And I think that came through in that documentary they did of him. Um, yeah, so so I think that'll be interesting. Uh, it gets going, the pre-competition gets going December 20th. Uh, so it's a Sunday. It's actually this coming, so not tomorrow, but a week from tomorrow. 
uh, pre-competition games will be televised on TSN. Uh, we'll get to see Sanderson uh, and Clevin right away against Switzerland at 6 p.m. on TSN, December 20th. Uh, and then also December 20th, the late game, 9.30 p.m., we'll get to see Robbie Yarventi uh, taking on the Czech Republic. So every game, even... Yeah, that's right. You got to roll that R for Robbie. Uh, he's going to be available to to watch at 9.30, the late game, if he could stay up for it on a Sunday. Uh, that's December 20th. And then t- the 21st, the very next day, Stutzla will take on Austria at 2 p.m. And it's all televised. So I can't wait. I'm going to be watching it. Absolutely. So, anyways, guys, uh, thank you. Oh, also, um, episode three will be up. Sorry, there were some technical difficulties when posting, trying to get that figured out. Again, my bad. Um, <laughs> outside of forgetting what day it actually was, I woke up Thursday thinking that it was Wednesday. And I'm like, oh, I got, I just have to send it today. And then looked at my phone and was like, it's Thursday. Hmm. Right. <laughs> uh, but this will be up uh, on Monday. Uh, obviously, you can rewatch this on YouTube and on Twitch. Thank you guys for tuning in. Follow us at Suns underscore hour on Twitter and on uh, Instagram. Remember, we also are trying to get one of you lucky fans a jersey. We got uh, hockey jerseys, 2,000 retweets. They didn't really give us a time frame, so let's try to get this by the end of the weekend. So please go out to our Twitter, retweet it. Get your friends to retweet it, your family retweet it. I don't care. Just get let's get it to 2,000. Be great. One of you lucky guys will get a re- Sens reverse retro jersey for Christmas if we get to 2,000. We also have our uh, customized sports giveaway. You can get a free jersey kit of any Sens jersey you have. Uh, that's also on our Twitter, so you want to go check that out. For myself, Shannon underscore Ryan97, Derek Adili075. And remember, you want to check him out at, at SendShot uh, and New Era Sense for any Sense articles to keep up to date. And I think the last thing before we go is next Tuesday, 7.30. You won't want to miss it. We have a great guest that finally got it confirmed, booked. So next Tuesday, you won't want to miss it. Back here at 7.30 p.m. Take care, guys. Sends out, hosted by Shane and Derek, part of the Hockey Podcast Network.